structure of practice changes entirely because because offense and defense are it's the same sport but you're doing two totally different things and and the way that you have to prepare is is totally different and i think offensive coaches especially offensive coaches that are in the fire calling plays and and really locked in to what that side of the ball is doing have a blind spot for how the team needs to practice and needs to prepare as a total group. Yeah, and text line is kind of agreeing with all that. They want to see snobber locking defense is snobber knocking defense is good defense. It says I want to see teams second guess going for it on fourth down. Uh, all defense keep the pressure all four quarters. Give me anything close to the early 2000s defense and I will be stoked. Want to see how well we tackle, mainly. I got sick of guys taking plays off. I want to see huge improvement in the secondary. I want to see the defense, no question, and it's not close. I thought that there would be a few people that are more excited to see the offense, and maybe they're just not texting in. But so far, everyone is. No, I'm way more excited to see the defense tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the fourth down thing is interesting. Um, See people that are – uh, second guessing or fearful of going for it on fourth down against Oklahoma's defense, and yeah, I I totally agree with that. Uh, but that just made me think. On the flip side, I think Ole Miss went for it on fourth down last year more than anyone in Power Five football. Did they punt last year? And what's that? Did they punt last year by chance? Uh, I'm not sure. Sure, they did. <laughs> they they went for it on fourth a ton, but I don't know. I don't know if that's going to translate because that is a – a lot of times that's an offensive mindset, right? We're going to go for it on fourth. We're going to stay aggressive. If we don't get it, that's fine. It's not going to change what we do. That's an offensive coach's mindset. A defensive coach, you could be aggressive there, but he's thinking field position. He's thinking, uh, thinking long-term a little bit more than – than typically offensive coaches are, especially kind of the new age offensive coaches that are super aggressive on the analytics and going for it on fourth down. So that's that's one of those things that's going to be fascinating to see. Now, I would expect to go for it on fourth down early and often against UTEP, but against tougher opponents with better defenses, uh, I'm, that's going to be one of those things that's interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, the stat that OU football tweeted out earlier today, OU is 130-11 and 11 at home since 1999, giving OU three more Big 12 championships than home defeats since 1999. Woo. OU's got pretty three good. more Big 12 titles since home losses since 1999. Dang, that, that's yeah, it's pretty good. It's real good, actually. And you – you don't think we uh, suffer a home loss this year, correct? Nip. You said it's going to come on the road. Uh, Eleven and one, which would be twelve and one, Big Twelve champs, and the loss that they'll have will be away from Norman. And yes, this will be a playoff team this year. Wow. Okay. Like it? Love it? Hate it? What do you think? I I like it. I think it's. I think it's um, totally reasonable. Totally reasonable, and. It can sound homerish to some people out there. Oh, I don't care the, about uh, that. The, the contrarians and 
um, the people that think that the Oklahoma football program went to the West Coast, but I don't know. I Even if we are the exact same football team as we were a year ago, as far as like our, our overall product, I would still probably say the exact same thing because – I, I think the like the top teams, Oklahoma State, Baylor, are going to be good, but are they going to be as good as last year? Uh, probably not. Baylor, maybe. Um, and kind of the rest of the conference, I think there's some teams that maybe got better, but overall, like the top tier of the of the conference did not necessarily improve. So I, mean, I would pick the same result. Almost regardless of of what I thought of the of the team, right? Yeah, no, I we, we we think the early part of the schedule sets up well. We think the late part of the schedule sets up well. I think overall, there's you know there's a few games that you look at as like potential slip up spots, but I think for the most part, the schedule's good. It's um, it's challenging, but its biggest challenges may be at the back end. I think it's the perfect schedule for this year's team. Because I think by the end of December, late or early January, whatever, this team will really be playing some good football. It'll look a lot different than what it is right now, and that's when I expect this team to play its most important game of the season. Sets up perfectly that's for right. this team, I think. Yep, there there is a ramping up effect for sure. UTEP, Kent State, Nebraska, you know, you get three games under your belt. And the Nebraska game is going to be tough. We've we've talked about that a lot. It's not going to be the same team that we just watched against Northwestern overseas. They're going to be better. Um, that's not going to be an easy game. But you know, it's it's not Georgia and it's not Ohio State. It's very very winnable for Oklahoma. You, you should you should be able to go up there and win that game fairly handily. And um, I I expect that. But. You ramp up. You don't play. Now, the Texas game is the Texas game, but you don't play what I would consider a elite program nationally until you play Baylor, and uh, even that is like depending on what your uh, definition of elite is. All right, this is getting out of hand now. I love the ref Twitter army, but people are now making memes of me saying locked in, <laughs> during, locked on during locked in. Um, someone just made a like a meme of you in a suit on a battleship that says "Mission Accomplished, Locked On, Macomas and Thune," and you're, <laughs> and you're giving the thumbs up in that speech on the battleship. Wow! Mission? Do I, I have the Mission Accomplished <laughs> banner behind me? Yeah, the Mission That's Accomplished awesome. banner and the Locked On, Macomas and Thune banner with the American flag in the background of both. Well done, Zach. Brilliant. Butler. Very, very nice. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Good stuff. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Hanging out at Riverwind Casino today. Tons of great promotions going on out here. Uh, Come see us at Riverwind. Sooner tied in. Mackey Award winner. He likes what he's hearing about OU, but that is not the comment that caught the headlines while Mark Andrews was on the Rich Eisen Show. Listen to this one, Teddy.
it's whatever to me is what Mark Andrews says. Ooh, man, program guy. I love it. Mark Andrews. That's interesting. Mark Andrews will be rooting for Rice like the rest of us on Saturday. So he only had one year at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley as head football coach, right? 17? Yep, that's right. And then he was gone? Yep. You know, it's interesting. When Mark Andrews was at Oklahoma, there was a constant mantra from us, from the fan base, to throw the ball to Mark Andrews more, right? That was constant. Yep. And we were right, by the way. I wonder if, I wonder if he, um, if he was frustrated with some of that, because you're right. That's his. That's really, even though he didn't say anything, that's the most anyone former player under Lincoln has said. Yeah, I, I'm sure he is frustrated because on one hand you can say, well, what does he have to be frustrated about? He won the Mackey Award, the only tie, OU tight end to ever do so. Sure, but I think at the same point, after that year, he's probably like, see, I was tr- trying to tell you guys. Why did you wait till my last year on campus to throw it to me? <laughs> we could have been doing this the two years prior as well. Try to tell you. Give me opportunities. I don't know. That is interesting, though. I never would... When you were playing that, I had no clue who it was. I was trying to figure it out. It just sounds like a random fan or something. Well, <laughs> he said he grew up a random fan, so I'm not all that shocked that he's like, yeah, screw TBOW. I don't care about him or his program. Yeah, he he's a Arizona kid, right? That's correct. Yeah. Nice. Well, hey. That is, uh, that is the most we've seen, which, by the way, uh, the University of Southern California opened up. Do they have Rice? Or, is that who they're playing? That's what I was just saying, that he's going to be rooting for Rice like the rest of us. Yes. Yeah. 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 That – now, you want to talk about someone trying to run the score up in week one? That would be uh, the University of Southern Rice? Cal oh, in Lincoln okay. Rice. I thought you were going to say Rice is going to try to run the score up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I hope all 18,000 of those fans uh, in- enjoy it tomorrow. 18,000 over Have you under seen the-, the attendance for USC tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. It's got to be more than that. Well, we'll never get a true reading of no, what it is. No, we'll never get it's a true be- reading, but you know how it is. It- it'll be the same thing that happened to them for the spring game. It will go viral. OU fans will tweet out just how empty the Coliseum is tomorrow. That'll be circulating That's everywhere true. on Twitter. And I will retweet it, i got to say, maybe more than once. If if there is any mishap at all, it doesn't matter if they win the game 60-0. to zero. If the ball falls off the tee for the kicker or something, <laughs> OU uh, yes. fans will pounce. Seriously. Uh, Lincoln, just don't do anything embarrassing tomorrow, or we're all going to laugh at you on social media. Yeah, I I don't think that they're going to have a great turnout. I think OU will have a great turnout, and I definitely don't think Brent is going to have to, you know, deal with this tomorrow or really at any point during the season. I don't think that he's going to hesitate to call out the fans, though, if at any point they're not to the level that he thinks that they should be. Because what does he always say, right? Everyone has a part. Everyone has a part to play in all of this. And if he doesn't feel the home field advantage or the people aren't staying late enough in the game, I, I don't think he'll hesitate 
at all to call people out in the postgame presser. Right. Yeah, but I I guess I have a hard time envisioning that situation unfolding a, yes. unless unless the team just doesn't perform well. Right. And I, even yeah, then, exactly. I still, you know, I, yeah, but you're right. And I, my guess is whenever we – later, whenever we start hosting some of those – those bigger games, those tougher matchups, conference matchups, that he'll probably talk about uh, exactly that, about how the atmosphere matters and we need to create a tough place for for those teams to come play in. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. Brent might be the only but, one that can get the uh, students to show up on time and stay later in the second half. Maybe it's hard. I don't know what the formula is, but they had it last night in Pitt. Oh, my god! That's maybe the best student section football game I've seen in a long time. The place was in – it looked like a massive party the entire game. It looks like, it looks like a college game. bar. Is what the, uh, it's not Heinz Field anymore, whatever it's called now, but that's basically what it oh, was. Yeah, like sure. Out, outdoor college bar is what that place – they kept doing – they kept panning the camera, and I'm with you. It's There's no one under 32 years old there. It's wild. That's but that's what it should be, right? I mean, that's what that's what those games should be like, and that's what you hope it's like. To where, you know, and, and that's an NFL stadium. It is, it's a little more accommodating than what your typical student sections look like at college stadiums, like OU student section. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily making an excuse here, but. They're packed in there with not great access to like restrooms and all of that stuff. But still, you should it should be that type of party, no matter where it is. I, I, I agree, man. I agree. And whereas um, attendance is dropping everywhere in college football, that was great to see week one, wasn't it? That Oh, it was. I it mean, was awesome. That you can still have electric environments that's really kind of run by the students. And I didn't expect to see that at Stillwater. Uh, it like if it was great, they didn't kind of showcase that as much as that ESPN broadcast did with Pitt. It looked like it was just a normal OSU crowd. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some empty seats there. Part of it, part of it is the game though. Like that, yeah. that game was that game was intense. It was tight the whole time, back and forth. The fourth quarter was insane. I mean, there was there was a ton of reasons to stand up and cheer and have a blast at that at that game. So, I get why. Like, if it's a good atmosphere, they're going to showcase it. I mean, on television, that's going to happen. So, I'm guessing Oklahoma State was probably. I bet they had a good crowd, but you know they got up so big so early. I bet a bunch of people bounced. Yeah, golly, West Virginia threw that one away last night. They had the fourth and one, where if you pick that up, you're in great shape. But that pick six, oh, that's a – it was the backbreaker of the game. It was the biggest play of the game. Man, They West Virginia had that thing up a touchdown, right around midfield, ready to go up by another score, run out the clock. They That one, that one stings. I'll say this, though. You're right. But West Virginia has – moved up the uh, the rung a notch or two after that performance. They look like they're going to be a handful. Yeah. Defensively, they look like they're pretty good. 
yeah. made some mistakes offensively, yeah. but defensively they look like they, they could be – they got a chance to be one of the top three defenses in the league after what we saw last night. A chance. But even even like the mistake, like the that interception that was a, a perfectly thrown ball would have been a first down – and they would have been in, in good shape there driving down the field. It was a good ball from JT Daniels, and it was Bryce Ford Wheaton who had a huge game, two touchdowns, nine catches, right around 100 yards. Right, they're going to make those plays down. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Well, uh it's interesting whenever you look at the whole of college football last night and, and how it went down, and I just had to, had to bring it up uh, because it broke earlier. For anyone that hasn't heard it, we haven't talked about it in a while, the college football playoff board did vote unanimously on the 12-team playoff format. And I think it's exciting. I think it's awesome. Uh, it looks like 2024 is going to be the earliest uh, it might happen. First round is home sites, and then you've got the what the New Year Six is going to be included as well. So whether you like it or not, I know it's pretty divisive out there for most people, and I know it's going to be probably a lot to get used to. feel like it's turning college football into NFL. I don't feel that way at all, but ready or not, here it comes. If it ever gets – a trip from USC to Norman with Lincoln Riley as the head coach, regardless of what happens outside of that, isn't it all worth it? If you win the game, of course. That in itself. That, like, that might be the highest-rated college football game we've seen in a long time. Not, not here locally, like nationally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I, the, the playoff is going to bring a lot of money. I don't know that it is ever going to change the top teams. It's probably not. But I think it can can help some of the other, like the Tier 2 teams, stay a little bit more competitive and have opportunities to nip at the heels of the, the very limited few at the, at the extreme top of the sport. I mean, maybe that doesn't happen, but... I mean, don't you think that, that it'll help some of those, the middle-tier teams that haven't been able to break through? Um, I, Maybe. Will it land them more recruits? Would it land them more recruiting wins over Georgia and Oklahoma? I don't know. I mean, but that can be true with what you're saying, even if that doesn't happen. Um, I Yes, I, I think it will. I think that this, this is huge news for a program like Oklahoma State. I think this, this is huge news for yeah. them. Oklahoma is no longer in the same conference as them. They are in a league moving forward that they can win. And if they just win that league, they'll be in their first ever college football playoff. For teams like that, it's a massive win. Yeah, and I saw this, and this kind of ties into the same thing, but it's another thing that caught my eye. And I, oh, Alabama is the favorite to win the national title. And I think that's justified. But, they're one of the biggest preseason favorites in 20 years. That's right. Is it is it that justified? 
Well, he, here's the numbers. Bama's at plus 180 this year. The only uh, two teams that have been uh, larger favorites than Bama this year to start the season, and, and this is interesting, USC was at plus 160 in 2005. Bama was at plus 175 in 2018. Neither of those teams won the national championship. Yeah. Both made it to the national championship game. Bama got curb stomped by Clemson that year. USC lost that epic game to Texas. Is it justified? Yeah, honestly, those odds probably are. But that's interesting that history says if you're this massive a favorite, you, you don't end up winning the, the title. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, another thing is, you know, we talked about Penn State quite a bit yesterday, and then we got to watch them last night. And Purdue – absolutely choked. I don't know what the hell they were doing with their four-minute offense at the end of that game. Would you please run the stinking football? But Penn State was able to get it done. Sean Clifford led that drive late to go down to win the thing. What do I make of this? Is this more of Penn State just being mediocre, almost getting knocked off by Purdue, or did we see something from Clifford late? Well, I and I saw the stat at the end of the game. That wasn't his first like game-winning drive that he's had at Penn State. He's maybe had three, but that game to me, man, was typical Penn State. You know, I, I don't think Purdue's going to be a great football team this year. I'm, I'm sure that's a shocker to basically no one. You know, Penn State, if they were ready to take that next step and be a 10-11 win team and compete with Ohio State – I guess I would have thought that they would have asserted their dominance a little bit more in that game. That's a game that Penn State barely sneaks by, and when they play Michigan and Ohio State, they're going to get they're going to get exposed. So no, I last night did not change my opinion at all about what Penn State has been and what they are going to be this year. Right. Well, um, I I think that's I kind of fall in line with that. <laughs> the last one, and I'm trying to find out. I, Maybe I think it was maybe uh, maybe it was uh, Jacksonville State. But did you see the punter punt the ball like 15 yards past the line of scrimmage? Yeah, yeah. The caption was basically <laughs> he caught the ball and forgot to punt it, and he was running up field like, "Oh yeah, I'm a punter. I got to punt it real quick. Hold on." It was fourth and 19, and he grabs the punt and he does like the little rugby jog to the side, waiting for someone to come pressure it. No one really comes and pressures it, so he pulls it down and takes off running. And he goes, it was 4th and 19. He went 15 yards close to it, maybe 12, and then punted the football. This is a great punt. It was <laughs> you know, a great went punt. down inside the 10. But the call from the announcer was fantastic. He's like, oh, and he takes off and punts it late? <laughs> <laughs> they were so shocked. It is hilarious. You have to check it out. I felt bad for the kid. He was like, I don't know. It's like there was a glitch in the Matrix or something. Because as soon as he did it, he's like, what What did I just do? What is going on here? It's pretty funny. Uh, I got a few here. First, look, I, I know that there are some guys playing college football that have taken advantage of the system a little bit here, playing in like their yeah. sixth, seventh college football season, whatever. But last night, and I did not realize this, Tom Hutton, the punter from Down Under, is still punting in Oklahoma State at 32 years old. He is my oh, yeah. age and still playing college football. Now, uh, 
Ted Roof made a joke earlier this week. Someone was asking if his son, T.D. Roof, is going to play another year next year, and he made the joke of, well, he's about to be 30 years old. He might have to go try and go figure something out, you know? At 32 years old, you're still punting for Oklahoma State? Good God, that's got to be awkward. You are, like, 12 years older than probably half of your teammates. You want to hear something else that is incredible? <laughs> yeah. John Michael Terry is still playing football no. at Tulsa. No way. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yes. He was like a Bob yeah, Stoops he's... recruit, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's he's, he's back on Tulsa. That, seriously. He's going to he... be one of their leaders on defense. Well, he yeah. better be. He's like 35 years old. <laughs> better be one of their leaders. He was a freshman whenever I graduated at OU. Gosh, is it weird to go That's to college? Funny, right? Is it weird to go to college parties at thirty-two if you're on the football team? No, not no. Okay. Never grow up, I, I guess. If if you have the opportunity, this is free advice: stay in college as long <laughs> as you possibly can. The uh, real world, the real world doesn't necessarily suck, but. It is not college, especially if you're a college football player. So Tommy Boy had the right mindset? Yes. Go to, yeah. go to college for six or seven years? That's absolutely it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number two next. The rush on the ref. We are the Homa Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Tomorrow's going to be awesome because week one is awesome with a whole lot of great games. The thing is, even the great games or even the best games have massive spreads attached to it, man. Georgia minus 17 against Oregon. Uh, You've got Ohio State as a big favorite over Notre Dame. Is there going to be a massive upset tomorrow? Is Notre Dame going to find a way to hang with Ohio State? Is is Oregon going to find a way to hang with Georgia? You know what I mean? Like, where, where's the big excitement yeah. tomorrow, the big upset? Uh, I think the Oregon-Georgia game is going to be interesting. I favor Georgia in that, but I think Oregon keeps it close. They're more talented than people think. Um, I think Georgia... Maybe a little bit of a championship hangover. I don't know that they're going to be as good as last year. They're still going to be incredibly good. There's, there's no no doubt about that. But I think there's a chance that's a that's a good game. Notre Dame is really going to have to. They're going to have to play the perfect game in order to have a chance to win that one late. And I, they're going to have to grind it out, slow the game down, and that's going to be hard to do with as good as Ohio State is defensively. Man, that's just a team that can run it up on you real quick. You feel like you can be playing well against them defensively for an entire quarter or even a quarter and a half, but in about ten minutes they can rack up about three touchdowns on you really quick. They're I mean, yeah. they're just they're tough, man. This year they're really tough. Hey, I've got a question for you. Right. Uh, an OU question. Um we did the the pregame show today. We filmed that um up at Sooner Vision. And one of the questions they asked was, who will be the leading uh, all-purpose yards gainer for the University of Oklahoma this year? All-purpose? Obviously, quarterback is out. Yeah. So, rushing, receiving, uh, return yards, 
everything encompassed, all-purpose yards, who's going to be the leader? I, I'm, it's, a, it's a hard one, isn't it? it well, it wasn't for me, I guess, because if we're talking really? about all-purpose yards, I, I guess I factor in Eric Gray in the passing game quite a bit. So I immediately just arrive. I, I think he's going to be your leading rusher, but what he gives you in the passing game, which I definitely think he's going to give you something there, yeah, I, I immediately ar- arrived at, at, at him. So you you think he's you think he'll be the leading rusher? You're firm in that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I feel well because Demarco Murray, whereas. You know, some other position groups and position coaches might be saying, "Yeah, like, well, let's let's find out who our number one guy." Like Demarco Murray, he's been consistent for a while now. Like, there's competition there, but yeah. Eric Gray, like, that's his room. He's our number one guy. I think, I think it might be Mims. Uh, I think Mims, you get some return yardage in there. And I feel like, like last year, he had 32 catches for 705 yards. I think he may be like a 60-catch guy this year. Oh, yeah, hopefully. He should be. Uh, yeah, and I think he's going to be knocking on the door of 1,000 yards. Um, and, you know, you throw the returns in there as well. I don't know. Eric Gray... I just don't know how much we're – I think he'll be more involved in the passing game, but how much more, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, and, it, it, you so, know, th- those numbers could be skewed because he may not be – he's going to be more involved. He won't be as involved as some of these receivers, of course, but in the times that he's involved, whether by play design or maybe he's just a lot better player, there's a chance for big plays, when, you know, him coming out of the backfield. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to have – an incredible number of receptions, but the receptions that he does have, those have a chance to be very high-impact plays, I think. Yeah. We'll see. You know, and and they've been singing his praises, and we got to see a, a really nice glimpse of perhaps what he can become whenever we saw the game he had against Oregon. Um, I guess I'm just, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. That's fine. That's fair. That, that's very fair about him. So... We'll see. I hope he is. If he leads, if he leads the team in all-purpose yards, that means offensively, we uh, our offensive line is, is really doing something. We're killing it in the running game. He's having uh, some explosive plays there, and he's also an influence in the pass, and and that's going to be tough to contend with. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour is next. Here from Riverwind. 